This is episode one, uh, not episode one. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to feel a little bit like episode one. Yeah. Pick up your game here, sir. This is episode 81 of the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I'm joined by Mindy Carney today. Yep, here we are, back at home again. Oh, you're at the office. Are you at the office? I'm not in the office. office. I'm in front of a very plain wall in my basement. Oh, wow. No virtual backgrounds today. They weren't working. (laughs) I know, usually you're like in your kill room, and I'm like, what are you doing down there in the basement? Yes. Creepy. Well, yeah. It's a different (laughs) wall. I didn't want to disturb you too much today. (laughs) Speaking of disturbing Mindy, I think the first thing we're going to talk about today is going to put you in a bad mood. Oh, yeah, I probably. Well, it doesn't take much, first of all, but yes. Well, in our news and follow-up for today, the first thing to talk about is Google Workspace. Yes. How do you feel about that? Why? Why? Why do we keep calling Google a different thing? First, it was Google Apps for Education, and then it went to just G Suite, and now we're on to Google Workplace, and we're changing the icons of things. That's probably the worst part. Why? 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 I feel like branding is branding because it's branding. Like you you stick with what you got. Everybody recognizes all of those icons and now they're changing them. And they're not even nice. They don't even look good. They're all kind of all the all the colors of the Google, aren't they? They're all kind right. of rainbow yeah. colored icons yeah. now. And right. Yeah. I preferred the ones before, but uh yeah, so we might have to start calling it Google Workspace, which is but I guess maybe the weirdest one yet. Yeah. But I agree. Hey. It is what it is, I guess. Yeah, there are some interesting things, though, I think. Um, you know, just recently, uh, there's been that kind of addition. Like, if you have Google Docs and you link in uh, um, Google, like, slides or something, it'll do, like, a nice little preview pop-up so you can kind of take a look at um, what that link is. I really like that a lot. Mm-hmm. But some of the workspace stuff, it seems like there's going to be more of those types of integrations. I thought it was interesting to read that... Um, like in a Google Doc, you could start a Google Meet with the people that the doc is shared with or people who are in there right at the moment. I don't remember exactly. Do you remember reading it? Yeah, it let you have it in like a side-by-side kind of yeah. uh, workflow. Something. Like, like you could generate it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, get it that? Oh, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so some of those like cross integrations, I think Google's really good about those integrations anyway, but I don't know. I mean, that's kind of interesting to me, except I'm not a Google meet user, I guess. But, um, for people who are, that could be, it could be a kind of a neat little integration there. So it'd be kind of fun to see. It always is fun to see how stuff pops out and how it works, but, um, yeah, so whatever, whatever, Google, Ugh. We'll be used to it like a year from now. and Yeah, you know. and then they'll change it and they'll be like, there you now go. we're going to call it the Google Playground. <laughs> you should trademark that before they do. <laughs> I should. Oh, Google's always listening. All right, I put another thing on the list here. This is something okay. that I, I knew about for a little while, but I forgot to mention it, I guess. I, I guess it could have been a tech nugget, but mm-hmm. um, I came across this video editor recently. Um, it's a video okay. editor for Windows. You can mm-hmm. only get it in the Windows 10 store, but you know that's okay. pretty accessible for Windows users. Um, and mm-hmm. it was kind of built in a way to try and um, replace like Windows Movie Maker and things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the nice thing is it is 100% free for schools. They have a free nice. plan and they have a pro plan. And schools get Animo- Animatica Pro I was just going to say, have you said the name yet? Because I'm real curious how you say that. Animatica? Is I that right? I think that Animatica? is how you say Modica? it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it has all the things you might want and look for in a video editor. You know, it does all the basic mm-hmm. cut trims and all the rest, but it does the other things like okay. green screen. It does oh, like picture in picture. It mm-hmm. does, um, it lets you resize your video for social media into different aspect ratios. Um, you can save and export it in all kinds of different ways too. So nice. I don't know. Nice. If you are a Windows school, you got PCs and uh, you mm-hmm. have access to the Windows store then um, they have a a link on their website, which I will put in the show notes, where you can apply to get free Animotica Pro licenses. Nice. 
So um, this week, I did not know that um, how so I should start with saying that no matter what Google Meet slightly has above on Zoom, Zoom comes back with something better, which is now live captions in Zoom, which was its hugest downfall, right? Yeah. Like Google Meet had it totally beat out with those um, captions and now Zoom's got it. But how long has it had it? Because I didn't even know it existed until this week. So how new is that? That is a good question. I don't know. I think it came out in this. I want to say it came out in the summer because I think seriously. I think Amber found it and went, "Have you guys seen this?" And we're like, "Oh no, I did not know that was there." I think it was Gina, but yeah, I would. Yeah, I think so because she had somebody who said, "Yeah, no, Zoom has live captions," and Gina's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> and we sent it out, and none of us knew about it. How did we miss that? I don't know, but anyway. I think this is really great, as with, um, if you've used it in Google Meet, live captions are pretty awesome. Um, But you have to go in and turn it on, right? Yes. They're not on by default, I don't think. You have to log in on the Zoom website. You (laughs) click the advanced meeting settings, and there you turn on closed captions. And underneath that, there's a box that says enable live transcription. So it's not, if you're looking for it in your Zoom client, your little app, um, it's not there, or at Mm -hmm. least now it's not there currently. Mm -hmm. You have to go to your other settings. Your other Zoom settings, yes. I don't understand that either. There's so many Zoom settings. (laughs) It's like, oh, if I can't find it in in this category of Zoom settings, then I have to go online to my other Zoom settings. Yeah. Just never know. You never know where you're going to find it, but. But it's fun. I've tried Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. You think it's real solid? Yeah. Yeah. It seems to like, you know, it punctuates and stuff as well. You know, um, Mm -hmm. capital letters and periods. When you pause, it will just put a period at the end of the sentence usually. Yeah. Um, And uh, only downside is it doesn't work in breakout rooms. Right. Yeah. So. So that would be interesting. So if you had someone who, who needed closed captions you would just keep them with like two other people in the main room, right? You just wouldn't put them in a breakout room. So if you had somebody that you knew needed closed captions. I think that would be the best way to do that. Yeah, right. All right. So, oh my gosh, when you shared this in a meeting today, or this was that last week, everyone was super excited about being able to rearrange your Zoom windows. Yeah, more Zoom updates. Um, (laughs) You can categorize your people by how much you like them. Put all the people you like most at the top. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I thought this was interesting because they're actually pitching these updates as kind of like an accessibility update. Yeah. Um, so if you are in gallery view inside of Zoom, you can now drag and drop people in the order that you would like them to be in. So um, if you're in a big group and there's like one person doing most of the speaking, you can drag that person up to the top somewhere so that mm-hmm. you know where they are and you can always see them and get right. your bearings for where they are. So yeah, it's a fun thing to do. But um, Bindi obviously just uses it to put people in the order of the yeah. ones that she yep. likes the most. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Is that what you're doing Certainly. there? Certainly. Yes. Yeah. Well, not right now because there's only two of us. So Okay. Well. It would be easy to make that choice. Um, <laughs> Always number one. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom also launched Multi Spotlight, um, which lets the host pin up to, I think, nine people at once. Oh, really? So if you're in like a that. big okay. webinar or something and there's multiple yeah. hosts, you can pin mm-hmm. all the hosts so that they are always on 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 the screen, I guess, and easy for yeah. people to see. That would have been nice because this summer we hosted quite a few webinars where there was like two or three of us in. And I'm sure people sometimes were like, who the heck is talking? You know, when we had 90 people in a webinar or something like that, you know, know, unless they had that turned on too or whatever. But And, And to go kind of along with that, the user can also pin multiple videos themselves. Nice. So the example they gave here was that if, um, there was an interpreter, a sign language interpreter, mm, and nice, as yeah. well as a speaker. You could pin mm-hmm. them both so that you could see the speaker and see the sign language interpreter at the mm. same time. So nice, nice huh. um, option for there. Yep. Oh, this is good too. So um, Beth Swans has been all over the Google Slide templates lately. Yes. She's been, yeah. So you have a web app weekly planner. Is this one from Slides Mania by chance? I know she's really been in there. That's you haven't exactly been to Slides one. Mania lately. Now is the time. There's some really fun stuff in there right now. Have you been there recently besides I this? I have been there recently because of this. Yes. Yeah. 
So um, Slides Mania, in case you don't know about Slides Mania, is uh, a place that you can go to get lots of different templates that are free for usage. Um, lots of just interesting, different things outside of the same old boring Google Slides templates that you're probably very accustomed to at this point in your life. Um, but you should definitely just hop over there. There's some other things um, that I think are really useful for maybe some hybrid school or Zoom calls, things like that. So um, this one that you have linked is a web app weekly planner for distance learning, and it has like some scheduling stuff. I thought this was a fun one because I know with Corey and with Beth, we talked about, you know, chunking up learning for asynchronous yeah, learning right. and, you know, organizing content in a way that's mm-hmm. going to be approachable for students. And this would have been a good example to talk <laughs> about last week. Yeah. But yeah. hey, Beth sent it around after she saw it. And, uh, yeah. you know, I thought I'd include it in the show notes for people that are looking mm-hmm. for it. There's lots of these clever kind of asynchronous templates. So this one's like yeah, organized right. into Monday through Friday in a Google Slides template and you can just Mm -hmm. go in and put the content in that you need to put in and uh, edit it as you need. Mm -hmm. It's just nice to have something to start with, right? Or to see what other people are doing or other ways that they organize it. It kind of helps you, especially, you know, a lot of teachers are, you know, barely keeping their heads above water right now. So to find anything that's already kind of started for you and well-organized that you can just plop your stuff into, um, you know, helps with all of that responsibility that they're dealing with. So... Yep, and it reminded me of another one I saw from Greg Kulowich, and yep. uh, he's got one inside of Google Slides too. So I'll link these both okay. in the show notes today if you want to take a look at them and see what they're like. Just a, a fun way to use Google Slides as a way to organize some mm-hmm. content. I know normally you might um, put your content into like Google Classroom or Canvas or Seesaw and things like that, but you know you can mm-hmm. organize your content with one link as opposed yep. to multiple, because that's the kind of thing we sometimes are starting to hear with people. It's like, I've got so much stuff in here. How do I organize yeah, right. all my Google right. Classroom links? It's just like going mm-hmm. on forever. Do I archive yeah. stuff? Do I delete stuff? What do I do with it? And mm-hmm. if you could put like a week's worth in a slide deck and just say, here's week one, you know, that's mm-hmm. one link yep. and yep. and go from there. That's just an idea. Absolutely. So I'm just curious, like, could these work in Pear Deck? That's a great question, Mindy. <laughs> Which takes us next to our main course, Serve to You Piping Hot, Pear Deck. I feel like we need a better we need a better title than just Pear Deck. We do. We need some alliteration or something in there, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't feeling very inspired when I wrote the show notes. I guess not. I guess not. Check your mm. podcast player right now. You'll yeah. see something amazing. But working title. Just not right this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Working Mm-mm. title is Pear Deck. Yeah. So um, Pear Deck is really at the top of our, um, I don't know, plate. Oh, there's a P word. Uh, right now, because all of the teachers in the state of Iowa have um, pre- Pear Deck Premium now purchased for them. Uh, through their AEA. So if you are a teacher in the state of Iowa, you have a Pear Deck Premium account, whether you knew it or not. Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) All the AEAs were involved in a consortium buy-in with Pear Deck. And uh, I think we all saw the potential of it. And we saw the the tools that it has to offer in the environment that we're in right now are really going to be useful for people. So mm-hmm. we thought we'd take some time uh, to explore Pear Deck. If yeah. you are listening outside of the state of Iowa and you don't actually have a Pear Deck premium account, wah, then wah. yeah, it sucks to be you. <laughs> um, there is a free tier that you can uh, right. sign up and get many of the features we're about to talk about, but probably not all of the features. But hey, we'll help you... Um, Get an idea of what this is like to see if you would be interested in getting it too. Yeah. And, you know, prior to this, I hadn't ever done a lot of work with Pear Deck. To me, I always thought Pear Deck was just flashcards. And so I had never really looked into it because I thought, well, I mean, what can I, what kind of work can I do around flashcards? So I just kind of always like shoved it aside. And then I, 
actually was involved in being a student on the Pear Deck side of things. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really something. Yeah, It's more interactive and more involved and much more um, exciting than I gave it credit for. So my apologies to Pear Deck. Um, but there are some really great um, features to it that's so to kind of talk a little bit about what Pear Deck is, it's actually an add-on to Google Slides or to PowerPoint. So it's an add-in for PowerPoint. Is that right? Wiley? I think that's how that works, yeah. Yeah, add-in for PowerPoint, add-on for Google Slides. And so you can just go into your little add-on store in Google Slides and um, add Pear Deck to it, and then it becomes a tool kind of... We've talked about this, I think, before, like with Poll Everywhere is an add-on that you can use. What are some other add-ons we've talked about? I don't know. Easy Bib and maybe things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you've never been into add-ons, it's a place to go and check out too. But um, And so then it kind of adds on like a skin on top of your um, Power or your uh, Google Slides to give you more tools. Yeah, it's almost like a like a transparent layer on top that you can mm -hmm. use. So you can, you know, add in a Pear Deck slide from their templates or you can just put it on top of mm -hmm. your own slides and give students the ability to respond interactively to things that you might have on there. Okay, so after you've kind of put together this slide deck, right, for your students, you've done the planning and you've worked in all the questions, let's talk a little bit about how we would share that with our kids. What does it look like on the student side and what does it look like on the teacher side? Yeah, when, you, when you've when you done all the, the prep work, like you said, you, you start the presentation. And what right. you'll see on your screen is, is a join screen that's really similar to, like, you'll have seen it before in things like Kahoot and quizzes and right. all those yep. other things. It says, go to right. this web, website and enter this code. And so mm -hmm. they go to joinpd.com and then they enter, like, a five-letter code or something. Right, yep. And uh, the students put that in and they will now see your slides. And if you're mm -hmm. in teacher pace mode, when you move to the next slide, they move to the next slide. And mm -hmm. it's really as simple is that and if they come up against a, a response uh, slide where it's asking them to put in an answer to something then they put that in and you as the teacher will see that on the teacher dashboard on your site mm -hmm. yeah so that's interesting because I, there are kind of like two screens that you can be looking at on the teacher side of things you can be looking at your teacher dashboard which shows your student responses so that you can kind of keep track of what's going on but also there's um, your ability, I think, isn't there? So what's, tell me a little bit about this because I've only been on the teacher side just playing myself and have never like officially run one myself like with live participants because the people I, when we were using it with Zoom, the other person was running it always. So I know there's a teacher dashboard that shows all the student responses, but there's, you can use your dual screen. What's the other screen for? I did this yesterday and now I can't remember. So the other screen you can just use to advance your slides or to For like ask, projection too, right? Yeah. Or to ask yeah, on the okay. fly questions or right, yeah, things yeah. like that. So, yep. So that's the two screens you see. Yeah. So on the teacher screen, um, some of the things you'll see, like I said, you'll see your student responses. You can do some filtering of those responses. You can um, get the take the opportunity to share some of those responses with the class by favoriting them. Or is it a star? I can't remember. Is it yeah, a, star a star or is it a heart? Yeah. It's a star. Um, you can also hide some. So if you have an inappropriate response or something that you, you know, feel like should be hidden from the class, you can hide things too. And they're always anonymous when you um, are sharing those with the, with the class. And I think that's always a nice thing too. On the teacher side, though, I can see who's responding and how. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll give you a quick tip on that um, yeah. ability to share things with the class because I saw – Okay this on the Pear Deck website somewhere, there are yeah. teachers that will also join the Pear Deck as a student. And they will go through, and when it gets to the response questions, they'll put in the correct answer. So that if they don't see the answer they want from their students, they'll star their own answer and say, oh, look at this. So this one really gets to what I'm looking for here. And because it's anonymous, the students don't know who wrote the answer, but the teacher Sneaky. can pull their own answer up and share that with the class. And then the kids go, oh, okay. So there's their exemplar answer right there. <laughs> it is kind of sneaky, right? Uh, it's kind of sneaky. Yeah. So you've got a drawing response tool where you get some um, 
pens where students can like underline or draw or, you know, submit some kind of drawing, which I think is great for math mm -hmm. and science, especially because they yeah. um, really make a lot of use of that in terms of, uh, you know, some of the formulas and uh, symbols and things that they have to, to draw on there. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a multiple choice response. There is a number response. What's the number one? I don't know that I've seen a number one. I think it's similar to like in Google Forms, you know, where oh, it see. will only accept a numerical response. Okay. Um, you, there's a text box, so you can ask mm -hmm. questions and have like a short paragraph uh, reply from students. There mm -hmm. is the opportunity to embed a website inside of your Google slide deck, which I think is mm -hmm. really awesome because mm -hmm. it saves students, you know, going to another tab and then drowning in tabs and, and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, the draggable one where um, you move a dot to something on the screen. And, mm -hmm. you know, the usual demo for that is there's like a map or something and you drag right. a dot to a point on the map, but it could be like a sliding scale on a scale of one to 10. Where are you right now sort of thing? And you move the dot to where that is on the scale. Um, so yeah, lots of interesting ways you can use those little interactive tools. Yeah. And like you said, there's lots of templates where a lot of that stuff is already built in and they're good templates too. Like they're not junky templates. You can plop those in and use them. Um, but also, you know, like you mentioned, those are questions that you can add yourself. The really great thing I think about Pear Deck that I didn't know before either is that you can run it as a teacher and teacher paced. So I can um, move the slides for the kids as we're running through. And then I can also switch it to student pace. So if I want to go through maybe the first four slides kind of as a lesson and I want everyone to have that on their device um, in front of them or get some feedback from them before they, I send them off to student pace, I can put those students into student pace and then they can work through those slides on their own. So once again, the stuff we've talked about um, with Corey and with Beth, as far as chunking content or asynchronous learning, Pear Deck really is a great tool uh, to allow teachers to work through some of that stuff with their students, but also send them off on their own um, to do some of that learning and uh, to work through some of those questions too. And I really think that's that's really a great tool for right now, and not just right now, for any classroom at all. Yeah, and I think it's got like a really low barrier to entry as well. People think yeah, about, right. you know, when you're creating some of these things, you're creating like an Edpuzzle or you're creating a Google Classroom or something. It's like you've got yeah. to do a lot of work up front. But hey, if you already sure. have a slide deck, you've mm -hmm. made a slide deck before. I mean, that's it. You just hit yeah. start with Pear Deck and then, you know, you're you're in. You can add the odd question here and there in amongst the slides that you already have. And it is, mm -hmm. it is literally just like two or three clicks. And you right. don't need to dive too deep into all the features it has in order to, to use it and get up and running straight away. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, so a couple other things, you know, uh, that are really neat about Pear Deck is that um, you can gather that feedback from your students and watch them as they work through and give them feedback. So um, outside of those really great features, there's even more things that you can do with it. We've talked a little bit before, like about using slides with grid views, so you can kind of see each mm. student working on a slide. Yeah. That same thing is happening in Pear Deck, but probably even more powerful because you can, um, you can kind of filter some of those slides and um, share some of those slides specifically with students. You can see them as they're working. You can add feedback to them. Um, and the other thing that I think is really great is the ability to send those slides back out to students with takeaways. So um, after the session is over, you can send takeaways to the students and they get all of the slides and their answers that they put in with those questions that were asked in the Pear Deck. And I think that's a really great tool so that it's not just a one and done. The students can go back and take a look at um, some of that learning too. Mm-hmm. For sure. Should we do maybe um, some some quick tips then? Some yeah, sure. uh, insider tips that people may or may not know about Pear Deck if they've started using it so far? Sure. 
So another uh, quick tip down here then, we talked about the uh, presenter screen where you're advancing yeah, right. your slides and things like that. There is yep. a, a lock screen button so that mm -hmm. if your students are still drawing after you've told them to stop right. drawing, then you can lock the screen and they are no longer able to draw on that screen. But the neat thing about that button is if you press and hold that button, you get like the option of some countdown timers. Nice. And so it counts down from like uh, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, or I think it's 120 seconds. And you can say, all right, last mm -hmm. 30 seconds, we're just going to finish up now. And then it puts like a little timer on the student screens and they know how much time they have left to go. So I like nice. that option too. Yeah. So there are some um, built-in features too to Pear Deck. You can add audio to each slide with your teacher voice yourself. So if you wanted to add audio instructions, you can do that. But it also has, as we love, Immersive Reader built in too. So Immersive Reader will read any text that is on those slides, which, I mean, we talk about Immersive Reader all the time. Love it. We so, do talk about Immersive Reader a lot. Yes. Yeah. So I like I like all those kind of those accessibility options on there. I mean, obviously adding audio is going to be better for those student-paced ones where you mm -hmm. assign it as homework or as some kind of, um, you know, assignment to do asynchronously. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's nice to have that feature built in because, you know, you can insert audio in Google Slides, but you have to have recorded the audio ahead of time. So this is the bit that Google's missing, an actual audio yes. recorder. Right, right. Yeah. But this is built right into Pear Deck. So um, what else? Oh, there is a Pear Deck power up Chrome extension. So we talked about the add-on, right? To yes. Google Slides. This is a Chrome extension for Pear Deck. Now I'm not really sure why we need that. I don't know, Pear Deck. Why do we need a Chrome extension too? But the Chrome extension is to make video work better, right? And GIFs so that they play better within Pear Deck. Why why the Chrome extension, Pear Deck? Why isn't that built into the add-on? <laughs> I, I presume I there must be some kind of limitation. In there must the, be. It must be something with Google would be my yeah. guess, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so if you're finding your videos or your GIFs and things are not playing very well inside of uh, Pear Deck, then mm -hmm. go to the Chrome Web Store, look for the Pear Deck Power Up extension. Mm -hmm. and Put that puppy on there. You know, I um, was watching a Pear Deck webinar the other day, and I think this is an interesting question that someone brought up um, was, what if I have a free account, but someone has shared with me a Pear Deck that they have created, but they have a premium account? Do I still get all of those things? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes. I think the answer should be yes, yeah. Yeah. So if you, I think that's a good thing to know though. So if you have a, you know, coworker, if you have the free account and your coworker has a premium account, you can share Pear Decks and you'll have all of the same built-in features for that Pear Deck. I don't think you can edit them. I mean, it's not like in that, that slide deck itself has the premium features, but anything that's built into it, you can keep, which is nice. You talked about the teacher dashboard. Um, it can also, it can be opened on a mobile device or it's like mm -hmm. a second screen or second device if you want. Mm -hmm. So if you have an iPad or something and you want to put the teacher dashboard there instead of flipping back and forth between windows on your right. laptop, there's right. a little website. I think it's app.peardeck.com forward slash dash. Okay. And then you can have the dashboard there. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of teachers on, on Twitter with their like their home learning setups and they've got all these screens and monitors and devices and everything. Like it's like a control center for like <laughs> yeah, a CCTV right. room or something. And they're, yeah. they're going between all these screens. But yeah, I, that might be another one to put on one of your screens if you're doing a mm -hmm. Pear Deck. It's just handy to have it over on the side and then you can just flip over and, and look at that. But you know, mm -hmm. if you have a second monitor, you could drag a window over there and put it on there too. So the other thing that I think is really unique to Pear Deck is something called takeaways. So takeaways are the ability to send the slides, the images of the slides, I guess, is probably a better way to describe it, into a Google Doc to each student. So you can choose, and I don't know that we talked about this earlier, but you can choose to have your students log in with their Google account to their Pear Deck, or they don't have to log in. So that works really well for younger students, right? But if your students are logged in with Google, what um, a takeaway will do is push those images of those slides to them in a doc, along with any responses that they've added to questions that the teacher has added. 
One other thing then is as a teacher on the dashboard, I can put in feedback as students are responding. Um, it's not a two-way street though, so I can push out um, feedback to a student, but they can't respond back to it. One thing to know, I think, is that that feedback does not appear in those student takeaways. So even though they get the responses that they've added to a slide, to the questions, they don't get the feedback that the teacher may have added. So um, I was kind of surprised by that, I guess, mm -hmm. when I learned that. So I thought it was an important thing to, to point out. Um, and also that it's not a two-way street. So there's no chat between the teacher. The teacher can push out feedback. Student cannot respond. So if you're asking questions, don't expect a response. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> it's got to be more direct feedback. Yeah. I think the feedback thing is uh, in beta right now, I read yeah, somewhere. Right. So yep. they're yep. probably still working on adding some of those features. But I do mm -hmm. like the takeaways. I've I've used that with, with teachers as well because, mm -hmm. you know, people always ask, oh, can I get a copy of your slides and whatever? And you can say, mm -hmm. you're all going to get a copy at the end. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, right. It's like, you know, when you've been in um, uh, a, a seminar somewhere and you – get a paper copy of the slides and it has like space on the side to write notes yeah. next to each slide. That's basically yeah. what a takeaway is, except it's on yeah, a Google right. Doc version, isn't it? Yeah. So. so I do think it's interesting to know though too, those takeaways are owned by the teacher, but it gives editing rights to the student. So um, it's it must be in a Pear Deck folder. I don't know that I know that for certain, but that's my guess. And so those are owned by the teacher and pushed out to the student and they're editable so they can still go in and type more notes if they want to. When I was talking to Beth and Amber, maybe Corey about this, I think it is important though to talk to students about how they will use that takeaway. Otherwise it just becomes digital trash to them. So it, you really probably, it would be a good idea to talk about how to use that takeaway and when to send kids the takeaway. So it might not be something that you do every time. There should be a purpose to sending that takeaway and it should be very clear to the students what that purpose is moving forward or when you get a takeaway what will you do with it so that it just doesn't you know clutter up their drive okay i put one more thing on our quick tip list here and i don't know if you know about this or not because i haven't used it before that's the flashcard factory yeah have you tried that no but i'm assuming this is what this is why i thought the pear deck was just for flashcards cuz maybe I have a child who hates Pear Deck because it was just flashcards. <laughs> so apparently in the flashcard factory game, students work together to create the best flashcards by writing example sentences and making illustrations for your list of vocabulary terms. And mm -hmm. at the end of the game, the teacher can review all of the cards and approve the ones they think are best representative of the vocab thing. And then mm -hmm. uh, it saves it all to Google drive i think where oh, you okay. can print off a list if you want or uh you can export it out to gimkit and oh. uh use it as is a GimKit game it's still free talk to me about gimkit what's it's going not on still free yeah. no okay yeah. Yeah. we'll okay. move on from that one yeah right <laughs> but uh yeah that would be the flashcard factory i've not so, experimented yeah, with that know. one yet yeah, and and I'm I, that's my guess is that was why i thought pear deck was flashcards because because of the yeah. flashcard factory. Well, because I've, I've heard about the Pear Deck flashcards. So. Hey, with great power comes great responsibility. You yeah, don't have right. to use yeah. it just for flashcards. We got Quizlet and things like that for flashcards. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, right. But I do like the idea of like a collaborative deck of flashcards, you know, for vocabulary. If um, students think about words in different ways. And so if they can illustrate them or come up with a way to help them identify what that vocabulary word is, vocabulary is very important. So mm -hmm. um, maybe I just have a kid with bad attitude. I don't know. Maybe. I wonder where she gets maybe. that from. <laughs> it's not her. It's him. It's oh, it's him. One. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he never has bad attitude about anything. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought I'd also include some integration ideas, some little yeah. things I've seen different teachers do and, mm -hmm. um, just to give people some ideas on what they could use Pear Deck for, because okay. one of the first things I got asked about it and caught me a little off guard the first time was, can students leave mm. an audio response to a question? And I'm yeah. like, oh, that would be such a great feature. <laughs> so I emailed Brooke at Pear Deck and said, hey, can yeah. students leave an audio response? And she said, no, but a number of teachers have been using it with uh, Flipgrid. 
So mm -hmm. you add the the web slide, the web interactive URL, and you put a link to your Flipgrid board. And then when you get to that slide in the Pear Deck, whether it's synchronously or asynchronously, students mm -hmm. can uh, leave a response on Flipgrid. So that would be one way that students could leave a video response or an audio response inside sure. of uh, Pear Deck. Well, and hopefully Pear Deck gets on that. I wonder if that's a Google limitation because, I mean, they're already using it for teachers. It must be a Google limitation, do you suppose? Otherwise, why would they not have the ability to add audio? I asked them that and they said it's, it's a little bit of both, but it's mainly on Google site. So another thing I saw, and I don't know if you're familiar with this type of thing because I know you're a coach, but... Um, I've never, I've never, well, I have taught PE, but that's a long story. Um, there's this thing called this or that. Have okay. you ever seen this or that in a, in a PE no. setting? And I uh -uh. think it's where you give the students a choice of exercise to do. And I've seen oh, some okay. of these on, on YouTube where they, you know, they make it so that you could do it in the gym and they put two pictures mm -hmm. on the screen and one is like, um, blueberries and one is strawberries and the kids have got okay. to go and choose and stand next to whichever one they think is their preferred fruit and then mm -hmm. after a 15 second countdown or something the fruit goes away and it's replaced by an exercise and oh, one will be jumping jacks and one will be push-ups mm -hmm. or something and they've got to do yeah. whichever one they chose based oh, on fun. and it's this or that and yeah, so right. i found a this or that pe lesson for pear deck nice as I dug around, I saw that there's all kinds of different templates for, I'm going to say, for the arts. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the specials teachers are the ones that are sometimes the hardest to sell some of these tools to because they're like, well, I teach PE or I teach art mm -hmm. or I teach sure. drama. And they have templates for all of those things. They have templates for music and uh, also for, like, school counselors. So hmm. I think they're doing a great job at trying to just reach out to all teachers and not just hit those core subject areas, which, you know, we can usually always find, you know, good examples of how to teach core subject areas with tools, mm -hmm. but right. just to spread it out into all areas of the faculty there. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know much about this because um, I'm still, like I said, fairly new to Pear Deck, but so Newzella has an integration with Pear Deck that they have a daily deck, right? That they can come out. Is it like current events or something like that? What's the what's the integration there? Pear Deck take one of the headline stories from Newzella and they mm -hmm. make a deck to go with it on a daily basis. So if you nice. also use Newzella, then uh, you can find a complimentary Pear Deck. Um, they're usually pretty short. I mean, they don't mm -hmm. have much on there. One one of the slides is usually like a link to the Newzella site where the students can sure. answer the questions next to the story and so forth. But mm -hmm. then there's like another usually text response or something. It's based on what you've read. How do you think that the future will be affected by mm -hmm. whatever it is you've read here? Nice. So um, yeah. just another option on there. If you're a Newzella user, then yeah. uh, that works with Pear Deck too. So we do have some resources to get you started, especially for our um, AA or our Iowa folks. Um, Beth and Corey both have been working on a Pear Deck handbook, which we'll link into the show notes. It's got everything that you could possibly need about Pear Deck. Um, also, there's something called the Pear Deck Orchard, which has uh, lots of different Pear Decks that teachers are using and sharing, and we'll link that too. And then finally, the team is putting together currently a Pear Deck course. Actually, it's in the system. We're just kind of putting all the materials together, but um, a Pear Deck course that will offer learning around Pear Deck and the expectations around that too, I think, are showing examples of how you're using it with your students, but for recertification credit. So you can take a look for that, uh, especially our Grantwood AEA folks you can look in the PD system for uh, that Pear Deck course, which should be coming soon. Yeah, it seems like we are all Pear Deck all the time right now. <laughs> so yeah, right. If you need help or you have questions about Pear Deck, feel free to reach out to Mindy and she will be happy to answer all those. <laughs> I got all this Pear Deck information. Like I have all these tabs that I need to like oh, put all together. I'm just, But it, actually, you know, the truth of the matter is, is I, I really... I was kind of in the seesaw for schools um, trench, trenches at the beginning of the school year. And so I let Pear Deck kind of go. And um, I'm working on this Pear Deck course with some of the other um, team members. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to do all this learning. And I sat down yesterday afternoon and like kind of 
went through the handbook that Beth and Corey had created and I was like, oh, I've got this. This is, you know, it's really very user-friendly and very low floor, I think. So um, don't be intimidated by it by any means. So if, and you know, I don't think we said this either. If you are an AEA, why do I keep saying AEA? If you are an Iowa teacher, you already have an account, but you should go to Pear Deck and log yourself in um, with your Google account and you should have a premium account and you'll know you have a premium account because you get a little crown. That is the Yay. best part, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So if not, you'll need to reach out to your um, AEA or your tech consultant. Um, if you're a Grant Wood AEA person, you can reach out to us and we can help figure that out for you. So um, if you haven't been in there, log in, see what you got. All right, up next, Tech Nuggets. Tech Nuggets. Tech Nuggets. I'm going to go first today. Go for it. Okay. Um, so first things first, I think I've mentioned Project Zero before. Does this sound familiar to you? It does sound familiar. I just don't know if you mentioned it on the podcast or if you just in a conversation we had somewhere. Yeah, I don't know either. So um, Project Zero, I actually linked the Thinking Routine Toolbox here to the show notes. Um, Lots of different ways to engage students in their thinking. I mean, there's, what, a hundred of them here maybe on this page? And I thought they might be some interesting ways to, right now we're in this like social distancing time. Right. So even if we're in the classroom, we kind of have to be apart from one another and we know how important it is to um, collaborate with one another. And, and um, really, those critical thinking things are so important. And we've we've talked and talked and talked about that. There are some really great thinking routines here um, that give you kind of a step by step because some of our thinking routines might be really challenged right now by um, the environment that we're learning in. So maybe some different ways to do things, some different strategies to check out uh, and and to start thinking a little bit about, well, how could I apply a digital tool here? Or what digital tool would work best in this type of thinking routine? If you've got students that are at home and students that are um, you know, in the building, I thought this might be a great resource for people to kind of check out and see if there was uh, something they hadn't seen before, but might uh, work in the situation. So Project Zero's Thinking Routine Toolbox. Yeah. Nice one. Lots yeah. of great strategies in there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my first tech nugget is something that I feel like you and I and maybe other members of the team, sometimes we take for granted some of the things that we have access to. So for instance, um, if I was taking a screenshot right now, I would use Snagit. And I would sure. use Snagit and annotate it and mark it up and crop it and do whatever I need to do to it. But I realize that not everybody has access to Snagit. So I found a fun extension called the Zoho Annotator. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like this. I know there's lots of tools like this, but this is a, a good one. It lets you do part of the page, the visible area of the page, a focused area of the page, a full page mm-hmm. and a desktop screen top. And um, once you take your screenshot, you've got some uh, nice editing tools as part of that too. So there is like a, a shape tool to draw uh, circles and rectangles and round things and a marker tool. There is a highlighter pen. There are some arrows. There's a text tool. There's like some little callouts, like uh, like with um, you know those location pin type things that you get. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. it's like that. You've um, hmm. some have got check marks on them. Some have got X's on them. Question marks nice. on them. So sure. um, there's also some concealing tools, which I think is really useful that you don't always get. So the ability to blur something out. Oh. So if you take a screenshot of you logging into a website or something, you can blur out your email address, or anything else that needs blurred out. Okay, nice. And there's a crop tool as well. So if you Okay, so say that, what was it? Is it Zoho? Zoho Zoho? Annotator, yeah. Okay, nice. That's a good one. Hmm. I I think so. like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, my next one is registering for FETC is free. What? Because it's all virtual. I know. So I never have been to FETC. I've always wanted to go. I haven't had the opportunity yet. Um, But this year I will be attending virtually. 
So you can, we'll put the link for FETC um, and the ability to register for it in the show notes. I don't remember now. I'm looking quick. January 26 to January 29, 2021. All right, so January 26th to January 29th, is that what you said, 2021? You can attend it for free. I don't know anything about who's going to be there. I did when I registered for it, um, saw some of the speakers. I don't remember who any of those people are, but it seems like FETC always brings the big dogs in. So uh, definitely one to check out. My hope, and I don't know this at all, so I'm just going to make it up as I go along, is mm-hmm. that a lot of those... Um, if you register, you'll be able to see them, you know, the videos if you can't watch it live. So it's really hard for us to take time off, especially for a virtual conference right now. We've even talked about that as a team. Like, so what if a school needs us, but we registered for ISTE and we've registered for FETC. Um, I'm hoping that because I've registered, I'll be able to access some of those recordings of those sessions, but that's fingers crossed. We'll see. I am looking forward to attending FETC for the second time. Me, 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 me. All right, my second tech nugget. <laughs> I think you appreciated this one when I said this I around, did. so I thought I'd yeah. throw this in there. Our friend and colleague over on the western side of the state, Devin Schoening, put this mm-hmm. out on Twitter recently um, because he came across something that I'm sure a lot of coaches and things are hearing in their districts right now, and it's like how to annotate and draw over PDFs. Right. So... In one sense, we're basically talking about this being like a digital worksheet here where mm-hmm, students would right. annotate over and do things. And Devin talks about three different ways to do this inside of Google Slides. Mm-hmm. And it's it kind of layers it up really nicely in terms of, of what you can do with this. So the first one he talks about is making the PDF a background in a Google slide. So mm-hmm. basically you screenshot the PDF, save it as a JPEG. You can use the Zoho annotator to do that if you want to make sure. your screenshots. And yep. uh, inside your Google slide, you put it in as a background. And when it's in as a background, it cannot be moved or dragged around the screen. So you have that right. you know fixed um, part on there too. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to the second uh, part of that where he talks about um, editing the slide master. In the slide master, he talks about, you know, again, putting that image in as a background. Mm -hmm. But when you have the slide master, you have the ability to add in text boxes wherever you want. So you purposely put in places for students to answer things because otherwise students would have to create their own text boxes and move things Mm -hmm. around. But it makes it much easier for younger kids if they know they can just click underneath the question and there's Mm going to be a box appearing there that they can use. So that's really fun. um, I'm going to interrupt you just for a second. Does he have his text boxes then with a border line so people know that those text boxes are in there or not in his example? Uh, he did not in the example, oh, hmm. no. But- I would think for little kids that might not be a bad idea because mm-hmm. otherwise they might start clicking around and not find it, you know, so... In one of the examples, though, he does put like um, like bullet points in there where it says mm-hmm. like, you know, first, you know, first uh, answer, second answer, third answer. And I guess mm-hmm. that would maybe help with that type of sure. thing on there, too. Mm-hmm. And then after you get done messing around with the uh, slide master, he takes it to the, the next level again, which mm-hmm. is uh, just redesigning that PDF completely where he'll take part of that uh, worksheet, that PDF worksheet, and just screenshot like a section of it. And he'll mm-hmm. put that on there. He'll add GIFs or supporting videos on there, text sure. of your own. So you're basically redesigning that experience for students to make it more interactive and right. uh, more multimedia, more rich for the students. Yeah, I thought um, what I liked about what he did was that he kind of gave three different levels. So if you get to the point where you feel real comfortable with something and you start thinking, all right, well, how can I level up here a little bit? I like that, you know, there are three different stages you could kind of work through. Um, The other thing I thought was super interesting is you did it all in Canva. Did those videos in Canva. I know. Yeah. So it's a video series. I don't know if I mentioned that. But yeah, he's done three different videos that you can, he walks you through how all that works and he did it in Canva, which I thought was a really interesting choice too. Yeah. I'm super intrigued to go in there and kind of mess with that a little bit because I just thought the whole thing was very good. Good job, Devin. I liked it a lot. All right. Um, can I do one um, shameless plug real quick? Is this a bonus nugget? 
Um, sure, sure it is. You know, where sometimes you look in the box and there's like one extra nugget there, and you're like, "Whoa, I got seven instead of six. <laughs> well, I kind of have two other things that the team is working on for Think Make Innovate, um, and also our makerspace stuff. I I, I'm going to lump it all into one. Um, Think Make Innovate is going to look a little bit different this year. Uh, normally with Think Make Innovate, we go into classrooms to see what they're doing um, to explore creativity. We aren't able really to go into classrooms this year or not planning on doing so. So to start for um, the month of September, October, we are looking just for ways that teachers are still um, – growing creativity during the time of COVID. So um, if you have any ideas or things that you're doing or inspiration that you're finding, please let us know because we want to share those things. We don't want COVID to kill creativity. So um, we are looking for any things like that. Before we go, a couple of quick shout outs. Uh, first one to Cleft Asunder, who is a STEAM teacher. He left us a message on Twitter to say he learned a lot from our last episode with Corey. Nice. That was his first time listening to the show. So hopefully he's listening again and we'll get okay. more episodes and more information. Okay. Uh, Biz Summers, an instructional technology coach, was also geeking out on last week's episode <laughs> because we talked about GTD, we talked about Pomodoro and asynchronous learning all in the one episode. And I don't know how we managed to do all that. So. <laughs> I don't either because those things don't even sound familiar to me anymore. Asynchronous learning, yes. But what was the Pomodoro? What was that? That was the timer. The timer? The the. Tomato, the Spanish tomato timer. The you work for twenty minutes at a oh, time. Oh yes, you yes, said you were yes. going to do it. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Using updates. Oh yeah, you did not do it. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> if you like any of that uh, productivity type stuff, we did actually do a teacher productivity episode. I think it was episode sixty four with Lynn okay. Kleinmeier, and we talked about GTD and our ways of using email and calendar and tasks. And yeah. Oh yeah. All that good stuff. Which. Yeah. So that about sums it up for this week. This has been the edit take oh. I don't know what I'm supposed to say there. What do I say? I Until next time? No? Yeah. Until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it is the spot. <laughs> For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.